0: Coming to you from the lab, where they talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith, and this is The Gun Experiment.
1: How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I speak with the founder of the Personal Defense Network and ICE Training, discuss ghost guns, and talk about the big man's new ear protection. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you'd head over to the Apple Podcast and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. I cannot start this show without noting the big man across the table. Please welcome my co-host, Big Keith. Keith, how's it going tonight?
0: It's going good, man. I, uh, I've been anxiously awaiting this big news that you will not tell me until we are on record.
1: So uh, I am... Pleased to announce that we have actually uh, gotten our first show sponsor.
0: All right. I, I almost feel like I should take a guess. Go for it. How many guesses do I get? One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, my first guess would be uh, Will from Resurgent Arms.
1: You nailed it. Yes. So I reached out to Will the other day and uh, we basically got talking and he was like, I love I love the show. I love being on it. And, uh, you know, I, I want to support so, yeah, um, Will was our uh, basically our New York Cali compliant guy, right? We had him on the show, and he makes awesome products. I mean, everyone hates having to neuter their guns.
0: There's not a single person that I have shown that safety to that isn't like, yeah, that's the coolest yeah. <laughs> safety for an AR. Yeah,
1: even for a New York compliant safety, it's really cool. And I say New York compliant safety. It just makes the whole thing work better, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, cool. yeah but he has grips. He has safeties that go with that. He has a whole bunch of products. Um, and the good news is he did give us a discount code. So you get 12% off with our discount code, which is gun experiment 12. So head on over there, check out will and resurgent arms. He is a really,
0: really great dude. Um,
1: so anyway, now that we've got that out of the way, uh, what's going on with you,
0: man, say, I feel like I, uh, I've been saving this to talk a little bit about, uh, I know, I know you knew I shot, uh, tried ski, uh, shooting for the first time and it is way more fun than trap shooting. Um, I still will be a trap shooter, but man, that game is a a lot of fun. Um, But in in doing this, I have discovered that there is a flaw in my browning. Really? And uh, it is um, both uh, firing pins started to chip. And this happened after I started reloading. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, of course, I instantly thought that I was doing something wrong. And it turns out that some of those old primers that I had when I bought the whole reloading kit might have been what's called like a hard primer. Oh. And on Brownings, particularly, uh, the factory firing pins like chip really easy with these things. Is that a so known thing? It's kind, kind of like- a known thing, you know. Um, so I, I've already replaced them. And put in better ones, and uh, I, I got the referral from a from a buddy that I shoot with. On uh, I'm trying to remember the name. I think it was. Uh, I'm gonna get the name. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it before the end of the show, and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I, I say it right. I don't wanna I don't wanna say it wrong. If anyone awesome. is looking so for you're, those, so you're back in business. I think so. I haven't test fired it yet, but yeah. I, I'm back in business. Yep. So um, I want to get you to come shoot skeet, though. You gotta come try it out. I
1: will be it's, as bad at that as I am as trapped.
0: Listen, <laughs> what is so cool about it is you're shooting those uh those clay pigeons way closer and you have to try to avoid shrapnel and i think that makes <laughs> it so much fun <laughs> <laughs> all right well listen i i want to get moving i want to
1: get to our uh to our guest but before i do have one more thing i know you love that ego boost so i'm going to give it to you right all now right. Are You ready for this let's do it so we got a five-star review from kn guy n 89 and uh, he says must listen for all your 2a needs Mike and Keith do a fantastic job bringing up relevant topics and having great conversations around firearms. Overall, the podcast is informative and entertaining. I'm a huge snob when it comes to the sound quality of podcasts, and the gun experiment delivers on an amazing listening
0: experience. Do you do you think that when he created that user ID, he was like, man, somebody's going to have to read this one day as the person who left this review?
1: <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but thank you, KNGayen89, if I botched that up. There's no way you botch that up. That's what it says. It's exactly (laughs) what it says. You're absolutely right. Anyway, let's get this thing cooking because I am super, super excited. Our guest tonight is a professional trainer, author, and consultant. He is the owner of the ICE training company and the executive director of the Personal Defense Network. Please welcome Rob Pinkus to the show.
0: Welcome, Rob. How's it going, Rob?
2: Great, um, good to be here. I, I think that is actually one of the most accurate descriptions of skeet shooting I've heard in a long
0: time. So. <laughs> is it really? Thank you, I appreciate that. Yeah,
2: I would go for that. I would say, yeah, the uh, the, that is the way to do it. Um, preferably with a pump 410, just standing in the middle there, you know, hoping you get something, and then I, you know, don't. I, the first,
0: you Rob, you have to the first time I ever saw this game played was the first time I tried it, and I. I just could not believe. I, I instantly fell in love. I was like, "Oh my god, I want to shoot those things so close."
1: <laughs> so I'm guessing eye protection is a must.
0: Eye protection is a must. That is it's that is one for of sure.
2: Few. It's, it's probably the only clay shooting sport which also has like some defensive like application yeah. when they're coming at you. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you get a visceral. That know, was
0: described, tell me if you think this is accurate, that was described to me as, you know, if you're a duck hunter, you will get every possible duck shot in that game.
2: I mean, if you're a duck hunter, like, at a zoo, where the ducks are, like, super close, yeah. Um, if you're, like, a duck hunter in the wilderness, then go do sporting plays.
0: Okay, got it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So that would
2: be, I mean, that's, that's kind of more like, yeah, I would say like, if you're like a like quail, right? Like quails super fast and they're in close and they're small. Yeah. Like to yeah. me, that's more like, like hunting wild quail by far than, than hunting duck. Like, and I don't know, but whoever told you that I would go duck hunting with them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cause right? that like sounds that. like a lot more fun.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. funny you said quail because we, uh, we had a guy on the show. I've always wanted to go dove hunting and it's not big. We're, we're, we're in the Northeast. It's not big up here, but I, I'm going to do dove hunting at some point. It looks so much fun.
2: Yeah, dub is is good. Dub is like a social thing. Yeah, like, you know, it's right. it's it's really it's it's fun. I've done it a lot in Virginia with friends and, and down in Georgia. Uh but it, quail is super challenging and <laughs> done that in Texas and Georgia and a couple other places. Uh, you know, pheasant um in the Midwest is awesome. Chucker in western Pennsylvania was probably like the hardest bird hunting I've ever done. It's like it's like a forced march crossfit workout with a gun and you, you I saw one all day, like it was But, uh, yeah, bird hunting is interesting. Upland bird is, is definitely interesting and a lot warmer generally than like sitting in a duck
0: line. So yeah, definitely. You've done some pheasant Um, hunting, right, Mike?
1: A little once, one time I went to our club and did it a little bit, but so Rob, you've been in the firearms industry for 20 years, which is amazing because you know, the, the things you've seen and the, the changes you've seen and just, that's gotta be amazing for you to kind of look back and, and see all these different things happening in this industry but you've been an advocate you've been a trainer you've been a content creator you know i've i actually have uh, purchased a couple of your products long ago uh you know i have your your uh, rear sights the claw and i have one of your uh, ice uh, holsters and you know i mean you've done it all i mean you, you honestly i feel like you've done it all in this industry if you had to choose one area of the industry um what would you say is your favorite
2: Oh, that's that's hard. I mean, teaching definitely like the educational stuff. That's that's been my favorite thing. It's it's what challenges me the most. It, what It's the most immediately and long term rewarding, you know, in teaching teachers, instructor development. I think, you know, if I had to pick one thing that I want people to, you know, I guess, quote, you know, remember my contributions or whatever, I think teaching teachers and, and certifying other instructors and helping them teach better, especially in the defensive shooting, uh, definitely like, that would be the thing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of other highlights, you know, and I mean, right now, the the gun design and manufacturing stuff and the consulting I'm doing with other guns, like the FK Bruneau PSD, and then bringing the PS, uh, the PD 10 or some derivation of it to market through avidity arms. Like those things are really exciting right now because, kind of that's that's a big piece of that done everything but uh but yeah this actually would have been my 25th shot show this year so i i I always say like 1997 is my first shot show that was when i consider myself entering the industry um but i was doing things you know teaching and doing things inside the industry or closely related even before that so yeah it's been uh seen a lot of things change as you said (laughs) most most for good you know most for good i think
1: yeah, it's crazy. So I just as an aside, I have to ask this question. I was like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to ask him, but I'm going to ask you um, when I was doing my research and I was kind of looking looking into you. And like I said, I, I know a, a bit about you from just my shooting life. But um, were you an actor at some point?
2: No. So <laughs> and and I, I I think I know why you're asking. Yeah. Um, So my, my dad actually, um, he, he worked in executive protection and working in executive protection. He had, um, a lot of, uh, you know, just interaction with celebrities and and a lot of interaction in that world. And at one point he, uh, he's actually listed on inner, uh, IMDB. Yes. yes. Is that it? Yeah. So he's listed on IMDB for a, a part he had as like, I think he was like a boxing yes. trainer or a ring coach or something in a, in a, in a Western <laughs> movie. So yeah, so I do get that question as well. What's really interesting is sometimes, you know, I do like, I do look like my dad, except yeah. he has hair and, <laughs> um, and I don't, and he's also, you know, 22 or three years older than me. And it, it is interesting. Sometimes I'll get people like on Facebook or reach out to me and they will be like, Hey, remember when we worked together, you know, whatever. Like, No, nah, that was, that was my dad.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so apparently I
2: look older, he looks young or something, but every once in a while that comes up.
0: Well, Rob, what I, I was curious about when we first started to talk, uh, knew that you were you were coming on today. I um I want I was curious about when do you think is an appropriate age to start talking about uh, defensive shooting with younger folks?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a big one. I actually did um did a, a webinar today with a uh, uh, physicians uh mental health professionals and uh a woman who works in Washington DC um on interpersonal violence in urban environments and the, with the urban uh population and one of the things we talked a lot about today was kids and and responsibility with guns around kids and things like that uh, the defensive shooting is it's an interesting question the way you worded it right like so i, I think there's a very stark reality of the, the this emotion that goes with the question that you ask, right? Like yeah, how yeah. you know, how hard would it be to talk to kids about, you know, taking another life with a gun? I think that's what what Russia as a parent, that's what comes to my mind is yeah, and then as a gun advocate, like a gun rights advocate and an educator, now I have to think, okay, now I have to tell someone on a podcast that's gonna exist forever something you know relevant about talking to kids about shooting someone and, well, there, and that's the way a lot of people her hear this but what i want to i want to just kind of reframe it a little bit you know what's the appropriate age to talk to your kids about protecting themselves you know um what's the appropriate age to talk to kids about stranger danger right or or you know not not opening the door when you're in the shower and far sick.
0: far earlier than than what we're talking about <laughs>
2: <laughs> well but but is it right so so that so now when you when you answer those questions about well yeah you talk to kids about but self defense and and you know um avoiding conflict and and avoiding danger and isolation and and being aware that some people are predatory you talk to kids about that at a very young age right, right. and at the same time kids if you're a gun owning family you know we advise you to let you know talk to the kids about the guns don't hide the guns don't yes. make the guns forbidden fruit so somewhere there's an overlap right like like the question being why do you carry a gun
0: well we're getting <laughs> and the specific reason why I'm asking is you know Mike and I both you know are gun households and, and we both have, uh, have children and um, you know I, m- my kids are very aware of it is in the terms that you just described they understand that you know they, they, they understand what they are. They understand I don't hide them from them. I, I always tell them they usually want to see them when I'm leaving to go shooting or something like that. So when I come home, they, they'll say, oh, can I see it? I I, I always let them see it. And I, I always teach them, you know, safe firearm first, you know, make sure it's not loaded. And, and they're they're picking all of that stuff up. But I found myself preparing for today saying, man, when, you know, they know these, these things can hurt people. When do you start talking about it in terms of of protection they ask me why i carry a gun when we ghost places and i tell them you know to protect us but you know i don't they don't have that concept that that why i asked the question the way i did they don't have the concept of taking a defensive approach
2: yeah and i think that that's a much more subjective thing but but i do think that it's it's probably way earlier than people initially think when they hear the question, the way you worded it, right? Like, like Oh yeah, well, that's like a 16 year old might use a gun to defend themselves. I mean, the, the, the reality is I, I think that, ta- so, so what keyed it in, what the key phrase or the key word to me in your, your question was talking. Now more, what I think people hear if they aren't looking for the nuance is when, when would you think about, teaching your kids, allowing your kids to think about using a gun to defend themselves. You know, I think that's a question that, that is way harder to answer, right? Because yeah, if yeah. I'm thinking, well, if my daughter, you know, my older daughter, who's now 25, she was shooting in defensive pistol competitions when she was 10, like <laughs> pulling the gun out of the holster, you know, shooting the targets, moving through the shoot house, all that kind of stuff. She was, she was doing, you know, shoot house runs the same place. I was training Navy SEALs and green berets out at the Valhalla training center you know, when she was, you know, 10, 11, 12. So,
0: and I'm sure she can hold her own today.
2: (laughs) Right, right. Like, so, so when she wanted to get her concealed carry permit, as soon as she turned 21, like all that stuff. Right. And and there was a gun stage in the home for defensive use before that, you know, she lived on her own, she's married and has a kid and, you know, she's got to be capable of taking care of herself. So at, at 16, would I have hesitated to have her, you know, know the code to the quick access safe? Of course not, not, not her at 16 other 16 year olds, I might worry about it. And and I might also add that just because she was really good and responsible and paid attention at 12, that doesn't mean that at 16 or 17, I would have given her the keys. And I'm I'm speaking kind of hypothetically, because at that point in her life, uh, she was not living with me. Right. So I was so and I was uh, spending a lot of time traveling. She would travel with me, but she wasn't really cohabitating with me very much when she was in high school at that age. So the the. I'm going to face that conversation in a different way maybe with my younger daughter, you know, who's going to be six this summer. She's, she's traveling with me now. Today she asked if she could shoot her MP5 you know, at the yeah. range down here in Florida. And, and so th- there are different answers for the when would you allow kids access to a gun. The beauty of the reality of the technology is today I can have remote access to a quick access safe in, that's routed into my Wi-Fi in the house where if if I had a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid that was capable physically and intellectually of using a gun to defend themselves, I could open that safe for them if someone was trying to break into the door, if they were
0: barricaded in a room.
2: And I think that's a much, much better option for most families than the idea that the 16-year-old has the access code to the gun
0: safe. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's um, definitely tons of technology out there that get will help in these conversations. But again, I think kind of summing it all up from what you're talking about is you almost have to assess, you know, your own sort of household and and, and when it's appropriate to talk about it. I, I want to bring it back to a young Rob. When when were you first introduced to to firearms?
2: I was first introduced to firearms at either six or seven and i and i lean towards thinking it was it was when i was six and and at the frame of reference is we moved uh from one house to another when i was seven and i remember l- learning how to shoot the bb gun uh you know up against a bunch of stacked cardboard backers you know a very obviously low-powered bb gun um in the house that i lived in until we were seven so i'm thinking it was when i was six and and one of the important reasons it's kind of vague is you might think well how do you not know have you talked to your parents about it my parents were not big gun people right like my dad was a cop and there were guns in the house but we weren't a firearms family and he was one of those uh kind of cops where it, it, the gun was just a tool. He wasn't a shooter. He wasn't like a wreck. He wasn't a gun collector. He wasn't
0: any of yes. those things. He that,
1: wasn't a gun guy. In yeah, words. He wasn't that, a gun
0: guy. that happens exactly. a lot. That happens a lot more often, I think, than, than people realize, but you've, you've been a, a second amendment advocate for decades, right? Um, how, how can people get involved locally? Um, we, we've talked about this a couple of times on the show, New York specifically has been you know challenge for many years. Uh, the NRA, in my opinion, doesn't seem to do enough, um, you know, lobbying, where does that happen happen? Where does that lobbying happen? And, and how do we get involved?
2: There's, there's probably three levels of that, right? Like, so one is the professional lobbying and, and professional lobbying I think is hard in, in the way the landscape is today politically. Um, it's, you know, the NRA for instance, to go there. Like I, I'm unaware of them really doing lobbying in the sense of going to a, a Lawmaker that wants to enact gun control measures and trying to change their mind. I think that what we usually do in in the current political scene is we see a lot of people spending money to get people elected who already agree with our side. And, and I don't and I, I don't want to conflate that with lobbying. Lobbying is, is really where you go in and try to convince yeah. a lawmaker that doesn't agree with you right now to agree with you in the future and in their future voting. And I think that's an incredibly important thing that we don't do nearly enough. I agree. Um, so there's that there. Then there's there's also obviously the the voting, you know, the making sure that you not only vote for candidates that you think are going to represent the, the your interests, but also then really lobbying them once they're in office. Yeah. And that i mean might mean uh, just reaching out and contacting me. I mean, today, 2AO.org, um, which I'm the vice president of, we just literally uh, just a few minutes ago in social media shared a call to action um, related to a bill. And and I think these things are incredibly, they're more important than people think they are. And, it's, and especially when it's not, you're just hitting a form letter or filling out a survey. But when you really call an office, or, or send in an original email or fill out a, a response form with an original thought, these things are incredibly influential with our elected officials. And then, of course, the third thing you do is is more ad, true grassroots advocacy, and that's be a proud, responsible gun owner and talk to people about it. And, and yes, even if you're in New York or California or New Jersey or you work in the tech industry or you know, the fashion, whatever you think is the reason you shouldn't, be talking about being a proud and responsible gun owner. That's all the more reason you should be talking about being a proud and responsible gun owner.
1: So, Rob, let me let me let me ask this question in a little bit of a different way. Um, I'm a lifetime NRA member, but I'm not currently happy with the way things are being run in the NRA, and I'm sure I'm not I'm not alone on this. So, when it comes to strictly, I'm going to kind of narrow this down. When it comes to strictly litigation, the organizations that are that are you know going after you know, states that are, that are not friendly to gun rights. Give me your, let's say top three or four organizations that we should be backing financially and giving money to, to help with that litigation
2: on, on the, on the national level, there's no question that second amendment foundation has done the heavy lifting and the, the best and most lifting, um, for the last couple of decades, uh, in that arena, in the courts. And the courts are incredibly important. Um, after second amendment foundation, you know, kind of the new kid on the block that's that's been very active and, and with the right cases and with the right attitude is Firearms Policy Coalition. Yep, I would agree. Uh, so, I, I would say, so Second Amendment Foundation and Firearms Policy Coalition, that's really, that's period uh, for me on the national level when it comes to the courts. They are the ones who are super active.
1: You hit the nail. I, I'll tell you what, um, FPC, like they're killing it. Like I follow those guys and like, you know, Kleck, Ryan Kleckner, right? He's, he's the one who's in charge of that. Like I mean, they are absolutely like knocking out of the park. And it's I think the reason I asked that question is, you know, we have a lot of new gun owners. So anyone who's listening to this show who's a new gun owner, like you have to know where to put your money and where your money is going to be best spent. So, you know, that's important. But speaking of new gun owners, we, we know there's a lot of new gun owners entering the Second Amendment community in the last year. So if you could give them one piece of advice, what would that be? and whatever you want to be, it could be on training, it could be on advocacy, but what Give be one single piece of advice for new gun owners? The number
2: one piece of advice for new gun owners is that your number one responsibility as a gun owner is to prevent unauthorized access to your guns. And, you know, we, we've talked about kids a little bit. Um, it could be your, you know, your buddy that comes over and he's drinking and he wants to see your new gun. Um, that's not the time, you know, uh, you, you need to understand also, that as a new gun owner, you might be uh, in one of those categories. And, and, you know, those categories of uh, who are the unauthorized people, obviously it's like, you know, the malicious intent people, right? The criminal, the person who wants to steal your gun and do something bad with it. Um, There is the person who is not intellectually or physically capable of using the gun. And if you have just bought a gun, you have no education and no training, you're in that category. So, you know, yes, as a kind of a... It's a tricky way to get to your first thing you need to do is go out and get educated and practiced in how to use your gun. But honestly, even before you do that, you know, if you buy a gun, buy a gun safe, buy a quick access, buy a lockbox. You can get one for 20 bucks that'll hold the pistol you just bought. I mean, it's it's to me that we really need to be stressing that. Um, and really at the gun shops, the gun shop that sells somebody their first gun without trying to get them to buy uh, a lockbox or something is is probably a, you know something close to negligent and, and and definitely not being the most responsible that they can be.
0: Yeah, we we get asked a lot. Um, you know, we Mike and I talk to a lot of uh, people that are considering you know becoming first time gun owners, and and a lot of times they they struggle with the decision between you know what platform model, uh, pistol, rifle, shotgun, and can you. Help us with maybe a, a few questions, a couple of questions that you should ask yourself when when you're considering recommending them. I mean, I, you know, I know the ones that we ask, but I'm kind of curious from your from your position what 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 they might be.
2: Well, the first thing is why. You know, why do you want the gun? Um, the number one reason people are out buying guns in the last decade, for sure, is for defense. Yep. Then, so so if we go down that path, the next question is going to be, you know, are you going to do you intend at some point to to carry the firearm in the public space, you know, outside of the home, or do you want it solely for protection and defensive use inside the home? If it's outside the home, well, then obviously we we just jumped to pistol. If it's inside the home only, it still might be pistol uh, or it might be a rifle Kind of depending a lot now we start asking really specific and personal questions are there kids you know how good's your security how big is the house you know that kind of stuff so sure. so pretty yeah. quick it branches off but it but i think one of the big things we have to accept is that even though it's harder to learn um and it's obviously easier to screw up for, you know, kind of those are the same two sides of the same coin uh the handgun is the the appropriate place to start if you ever intend to to carry the gun outside the home for defense
0: yeah, I, I think we agree with that. I mean, those are those are pretty much where we try try to go with them. Um, we talked about sh- shooting competitions, a couple different ones already today. Um, I personally think that when I first was introduced I- into that world, they can be a little intimidating. Um, you know, I think they're a great learning tool. Uh, we t- you talked about ski today. You know, being some defensive movement, um, and generally all of them that I've tried have been supported what competitions do you think are best to help people improve their tactical knowledge and readiness but without maybe the intimidation of it being a tactical lesson
2: <laughs> uh, none none of them you know all the all the competitions are games and ultimately if you're going to play a game with a gun you're going to start trying to get a higher score mm-hmm. and all the ways you get the best scores in all of the games are in many ways contradictory to the things you would want to be practicing and learning yeah. in terms of uh, appropriate use of defensive force so the the reality is that that if you want to get if you want to acclimate yourself to shooting and to guns and you want to be, increase your firearm skill in a fun relaxed way that doesn't really overlap it pretty obviously doesn't overlap i would say go do cowboy action shooting because you're going to learn rifles, you're going to learn pistols, you're going to learn shotguns, you're going to have a good time, and you nobody's going to like think in any way that it's related to their tactical home defense stuff. That know?
0: was a really great answer. I appreciate it. That was uh, I I wasn't expecting it, but it was better than than what I was thinking.
1: As a follow up to that, so is it possible to go do? I, I've never done that kind of shooting, but. You know, I've seen, I've watched the videos and stuff, and I I know what you're saying about the score, but is it possible to go there with the mindset of, I'm not here to compete. I don't care what my score is. I'm going to go slower than everybody else, but I'm going to be tactically sound doing it so that you get those reps in and you get that. Is that possible? Or is it, if your mindset is in the right place, could you get some practical application? It's certainly
2: possible. The problem is that I don't believe that the human animal has the capacity (laughs) to do it because because you end up inevitably caring about the score and and the problem is the communities, none of the while those communities might say uh, you you might find some people in that community and certainly their website will tell you that, hey, it's about having fun and da dah, dah, dah.
0: the competition sort of outweighs the real stress of that comes from you know from being in those personal defense situations. So how you know how do you mentally prepare for that? you know how how can we? Reality-based training is obviously a great answer, but, you know, wh- how do you train people to mentally prepare for that real stress? You know, like in boxing, you know, you, you train, what, for two times the amount of rounds that you're going to fight or something like that. You know, is it it's a similar situation in this?
2: You know, the, the best answer that I can give there, because so many people, you know, you don't know you really don't know. Many yeah. people will tell you that, you know, they, you they really, they weren't scared. Other people will tell you it was the scariest thing they've ever had experience. And, and you really don't know which way your brain's going to go. The other piece is really important is humans form memories in very interesting ways after those kinds of critical incidents. So even talking to people about, you know, what'd you experience? What was it like? We, we have people, you know, eyewitness testimonies, like the worst form of evidence, right? Like, you know, three people can watch exactly the same thing and tell you three radically different things happened. Um, and then the video will, will tell you, you know, 100% will show you what happened, but only from the angle that was being videoed at the quality of the video, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we have to be really careful about how do we prepare for the mental part? I think one of the best things you can do, and this is, um, I wrote a book called Counter Ambush, and, and we have a distance education program all about the, the physiology, the anatomy and the neurology of critical incidents and, and sort of explaining why you should train to fight a certain way and why your training methodology should incorporate the novelty of true ambushes and why it should incorporate the concept of collecting and processing novel information during the process of Uh, applying your your force, using the skills that you're learning. You're you're shooting the gun, reloading the gun, drawing the gun, all those things. Because the reality reality is most of let's go back to the competitions, right? Hey, you're going to shoot this target, and then you're going to shoot this target. Then you're going to run over here, and you're going to shoot that target. uh, And you're going to run over here, and you're going to shoot that target. And by the way, you have to shoot each target twice, and you have to reload between the third and the fourth target, Okay. Okay and ready yeah and go and then you you go through this these motions right and the so in the real world none of that is possible to know um, and, and if you did know that you were going to have to fight four guys and go through two magazines at that Chinese food restaurant, you'd probably choose to go eat Italian that night instead. And not I don't know. It depends so, on how
0: good the egg rolls are.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, some things are worth fighting for. right? But, but I think the, the so the idea is that, that we, we really need to be incorporating this. I got caught off guard. And I'm playing catch up mentality. And if you're, if you find yourself in a defensive firearms use where you, you saw it coming and you were able to get to the ready position and you were able to think about the angles and does it start with, does
0: it start with just being more observant? Does it start with just, you know, taking a step back and, and, you know, before you rush into the store, just, just, just take a a slow walk in and observe what's going on and, and things like that.
2: If it did, then we're not talking about defensive shooting, right? Like, so if that works, yep. then so, so we have this concept of response called O3R, and and it describes the human experience uh, of a trained human dealing with a, a life-threatening situation in which they apply their defensive force. And, it, and the first O is is observe. You have an observation. There's some stimulus that comes in that tells you 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 are under attack potentially. You have a natural reaction to that, right? L- loud noises create a certain natural set of reactions. So you have a you have the first R is reaction. The third, the second R is recognize, right? So you, you recognize what's going on if you're and again, this is a properly trained person applying their learned skills, right? So you recognize what's going on, and then you respond appropriately is the third R. So it's observe, react, recognize, respond. If you see it coming, right? If you let's go into another scenario where I I walk into the store and I just sort of pause and I I get out of the you know, I step to the side because I don't want to be in the fatal funnel, right? The tactical guys, I so I walk in, I take a step to the left and I look around the store and I see a guy who looks like he's about to rob the place, you know, that's so I observe that I recognize him as a bad guy, and my response is I walk away, so I never have to use. My gun, right? Yeah. So, so that's so it's oh, so O R R, right? This this O 2 R loop only has the I recognize a problem and I respond appropriately. That's not a worst case scenario. No, that's not getting attacked. That's not needing to use your gun. So, by default, right? If you look, but at that's defensive. Almost, almost, I, I
0: I do believe that what you just described is defensive.
2: <laughs> oh it is it absolutely is so there's i'm sorry maybe maybe i misunderstood because i thought we were talking about how do you get ready for the use of the gun well if you're if you're doing the observational quote-unquote situational awareness you never need to
1: use the gun. rob can i interrupt for one second so i think like yeah. i think maybe like we're like you know uh, it sounds like what what you're saying is there's a difference between situational awareness which is important no one's saying it's not important versus actual tactics right like situational yeah. is situational awareness isn't necessarily a, Firearms tactic. It's important, but it's a whole nother skill set that we probably should develop. Is that kind of what you're saying?
2: It is. And it's and it's incredibly important to know that it can fail. And I think that's this is the problem. There's this this there's this horrible color code concept out there that's been taught horribly for decades as if. Situation awareness was one thing, right? As if you're in this this idea that you're in condition yellow, right? so if you're if you're in condition yellow, you kind of know what's going on around you. Well, that's not how humans work, right? Humans work as you're you're in condition yellow to the the people at your table other than the person you're talking to. You're super hyper focused on the person you're talking to, and you're completely oblivious. you're in condition white to the people at every other table in the restaurant. So so human attention is divided. Human attention is multifaceted. So this idea that you're in some one condition to the entire universe is just dumb. Yeah. It goes against every piece of human experience possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of want to, first of all, I want to thank you for that because it's actually refreshing. You know, it's kind of like uh, the idea of like me sitting on my couch watching TV and being in this like vigilant state is a little like. I mean that's just not real. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm on my couch. I'm relaxed. You know, like I'm. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm not in this constant state of like preparedness at all times. And to say you are is just a little ridiculous. You know. So yeah. I, I, that's kind of refreshing to hear you you say that. You know. Um,
2: well, it is, and that's and that's the problem. There's a lot of these cliches and tropes out there. I mean, some of these instructors from the '80s and '90s, the kind of guys who you know, get into a competition and shoot over the hood of a truck uh, because they <laughs> want to win. Like they've been getting away with some stuff for a long time because the human field of neuroscience, you know, really didn't exist 30 years ago. And and when you, know, you yep. look at a guy like Jeff Cooper, what he was teaching in the 80s, that was the best 1980s stuff ever. You know, and we do stand on the shoulders of these guys. But they didn't have all the answers, period. They had all the best answers 30 and 40 and, years and,
0: ago. And the, and the, the real basis from my question, Rob, about, you know, the, preparing for the real stress of it is, you know, we talk talking an awful lot about, you know, new gun owners and, and needing to advocate for the Second Amendment. And some of the discussions that I've had with, with, with people that are new gun owners are the discussion about, you know, what are you going to do if you have to use this gun and how are you going to, you know, train yourself to be prepared for that? And I do not think that people really grasp the concept of what that stress looks like. I don't even, I can't even say that I do. I, I have, you know, a, a tidbit of what I think it is, you know? And
2: I I, don't, I think that's true, but I don't, I don't, I think people put way too much mystique into that, honestly. Right. Like, I mean, the, 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 like salty green beret that comes back and he says, you know, well, this is what it was like for me on my 15th deployment. His first deployment was probably way different. Right. And like his first use of a gun was probably way different than his last use of a gun in a combative environment. It's the same for the cop and it's the same for the, the grocery store clerk. And we just, when we look around, there are so many people, who defend themselves successfully with guns. And I'm not just talking about showing the gun. There are so many people who defend themselves successfully with guns with very little training or no training. And there's also a heck of a lot of people that we see videos of. Like, let's take law enforcement officers. We've seen a a lot of law enforcement officer videos of people, officers successfully using guns completely differently from the way they were trained Yeah. To use the guns. Wow. In other words, they're, you know, guys from the nineties not standing in the weaver position double tapping, but in a crouch with the gun fully extended directly in front of their body, shooting very rapidly and successfully winning. And and that's why the most modern training model models work from kinesiology and, and observed data, not theory about the best way to shoot on a rank.
1: yeah well how many times do you hear like you know that after a shooting people say that they didn't even see their front sights kind of a thing you know and you're, you're giving us like these like little like knowledge bombs and i want I, I feel like i have like uh this wealth of knowledge and i want to keep tapping into it so <laughs> I, I i have another question for you and it's it's basically about the idea of training but you know qu- we all know quality training is never a bad thing it certainly raises the tactical iq of a shooter and the more training you can get, the better. Like if we could just train every day by the greatest train, you know, trainers in the world, we'd all be better off for it. That's a no-brainer. But we live in a real world, like you just said. You gave some really practical uh, stuff. And what suggestions do you have for shooters who are on a really limited budget? And I and I want to kind of um, clarify on that. So first off, limited budget for training. Like maybe they can take one training course a year. That's great, but just one. And then also, there's limited ammunition right now in terms of getting it and also the cost of it, that all adds up. So, you know, I'm talking low round count drills, um, ways to get training. If they can't get to a, uh, to great training courses because of money, just give us some, some real practical stuff of how can we learn if money is an object? Cause reality is it can be an object at times.
2: Can I, can I refute the premise first? Sure. I absolutely disagree with the concept that it would be better to go spend every day with a new trainer or, or even one trainer or one trainer that was in a family, because here's the difference. What we don't give enough respect to is the value of practice. And, and I want to, so I want to, I want to reframe this as training versus practice, Training is is learning a new skill or learning, you know, you could put this under learning as well, right? Training and learning are one thing. That's where you get the new education or you develop the new skill or you learn the new tactic. You learn the new way to apply an old skill, something like that. And then there's practice and practice is where you develop your skill. That's where you, you put these things into literally into practice, right? It's one of the reasons that phrase putting something into practice, that means developing your ability to apply skills that you've already learned. So how do you practice? How
1: do you practice though? Yeah. So first you have to learn the skill. So how do right. you learn that skill if your budget is so limited you can't get to Rob Pincus to learn that skill? How do people get that skill to begin with? That's my question, I guess. So your, your yeah, point is right. fair. And, and but
2: that's what I wanted. So first, I just want to kind of refute the premise that the best way to get the skills is to, you know, go spend. Because I get this a lot, right? That's like, fair. oh, yeah, no, I'm going yeah. to train with 10 different guys this year. Well, you're gonna confuse yourself nine times right like why don't you put some go to the internet go read some books go read some articles watch some videos, <laughs> what and, read? And what i want you to do is i, I like to
0: just look at headlines and make my decisions <laughs>
2: well, yeah that's not my audience you know it's like i need i gotta you gotta get down in there and you gotta read the big words and if you don't understand and you gotta look them up and you gotta go back and like all that stuff draw yourself a picture of yeah whatever you need to do like but you need you can the, the beauty of it is right this isn't 1991 i i I mean, in 2021, you can, if somebody's charging more than, you know, like $100 a day, if somebody's charging you more than $50 for a class, they better have some articles published. They better have some videos out there. They better have some students that you can relate to that have given some thoughtful reviews more than stars, but real thoughts about, you know read the backgrounds of the people doing the reviews. Is it is it you or is it is it not you, right? If you're an experienced competition shooter that's never carried a gun in public off the range and wants to learn defensive shooting, find those people that, who are like you, who have reviewed the instructor's class and see if they're saying things like, I learned to be a better shooter than I ever was before or if they're saying things like yeah I was a good shooter but this guy really helped me understand the context of defensive application of force or carrying a gun in public or whatever. So so do the research and really cuz your money is limited, your ammo is limited, your time is limited. All of what we call training resources are limited. So you owe it to yourself to new this is new shooters, old shooters, whatever. To do the research, read the articles, read the books. I mean, if some guys teach, you know, charging $250 a class and he doesn't have articles published in major blogs or, or magazines and he hasn't published books, if, he has, if there aren't videos you can go watch and see what he's teaching and, and his style – that guy doesn't deserve your $250 a day, I promise you, right? Just yep. from a businessman standpoint, they they maybe they're the best secret instructor in the world, but probably not, right. you know? So be really careful about who you invest in your training resources with. And then once you have them, absolutely, it becomes incredibly important to – let's go back to don't go do competitions and tell yourself you're training just because it's fun – really think about how you're using your ammo. There's a lot of things when it comes to defense, armed defense that you can do without ever firing around. You can practice presentation from the holster to the ready position. You can practice barricading yourself, uh, you know, with a gun in your hand. You can practice moving your family around. You can practice dialing 911. You can practice verbalization skills with your gun in the ready position. You can practice moving with a flashlight in your hand and your gun in the holster still in what we call the staged position. You can practice some gun handling, but if you're practicing something like a reload, you absolutely need to practice the reload to the stimulus of slide lock. So that would be an example of where you do need to be on a range. Um, do you need to practice a hundred rounds a month? Probably not. Um, One of the things I tell people also is this concept of front loading your practice, really important. So you, you watch a DVD, you, you do the research, you read the book, you, you go out to the range and you, you learn this new skill. Once you've learned it, and by we, we say that you've learned it once you can demonstrate proficiency. So once you can, even in isolation, if you can just get through a reload or get through presentation from the holster to the first shot to the chest at 12 feet or whatever it is, once you've learned that skill to a level of proficiency and performance, then you have to practice it. And the way you practice it should be what we call front-loading your training. And what that means is if you have a if you have 1,200 rounds, let's make the math easy, if you have 1,200 rounds for the year, you don't go to a class and then do 100 rounds a month. What you should do is go to a class and then maybe spend three or 400 rounds in that first month. And then maybe 250 to 300 rounds for the next couple of months. And then maybe 100 rounds a month for a couple of months. And then, you know, the last three or four or five months of that year, you might only go out and shoot a couple of magazines. Um, but but the, the, the goal is to really ingrain the automated performance of the skill so that you can apply it very quickly after you learn it and not to think that, you know, you'll spend the next year figuring it out. Um, Spend the next, you know, month or two really ingraining it. And then you can go on to learn other things and layer them on top. But if you, if you really, you know, if you go back to the original premise, right, if you, if you go to a class a month with a different instructor for a whole year and you figure, well, then I'm going to spend the next three years getting good at whatever I learned. The fact is you won't have learned much because you'll have a whole bunch of contradictory information in your head
1: yeah I that that makes a lot of sense and it's definitely that's like kind of uh practical right like you don't want to like bombard yourself with too much because then you can't absorb it and you know uh so actually I I need you to do me a favor because Keith and I have this ongoing little debate and I and I want your opinion on this so uh what are your I'm just going to phrase it very simply what are your thoughts on open carry tactically speaking
2: oh it's ridiculous (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Uh,
2: you you saved me. I thought I was gonna have to give a nuanced answer, but no, no. So ridiculous.
1: so I, I I feel that the only reason I mean obviously we're in New York, we don't have open carry, but I would love open carry for one reason. If I, and this is like a true story, I went to a uh, a class. I was an indoor shooting range. I had my you know my my gun on my on my hip, and it was hot in there. So I had my you know just my jacket off, whatever. And when I left, I walked out in the parking lot, my gun just on my side. Like I was open carrying in New York, which is like, you know, I could have went to jail. And I was like, Jesus, this is where I wish I had open carry because it would have at least saved me from going to jail. <laughs> but but that's the only reason I personally think that you should have open carry. I, you know, Keith-
0: is- I personally think that, you know, it's probably in some cases a deterrent. Probably, you know, somebody who was an evildoer might see the open carry and say, yeah, maybe not today.
2: Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to deny. So, first of all, again, let's go back to the, the fact that you asked. You asked about the tactical value of it. Now, well, I, he
0: I asked that question needed. specifically because he knew your answer, Rob. But that's beside the point. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. So
2: let's go. So, he thinks so, he's um, won I'm this
0: argument right now. It.
2: I also believe that it should be a hundred percent legal, right? So it, I agree. It, but again, it's all, it's also legal to you know sell all your belongings and buy lottery tickets, hoping to become a millionaire. But you're not going to find a financial advisor that tells you you should do it. <laughs> um, but it should be legal. So so again, it's it's it, the the idea that maybe somebody's intimidated by the gun and therefore decides not to take evil action. Uh, I no one you know you'd be a fool to deny that that may not be a factor. But that also doesn't, to me, justify all the potential negative outcomes of open carry, and and especially in today's environment, right? I mean, let's think about this. How many times have we seen videos of, of actual criminals standing there taunting police officers, Right. Police officers have the flashy red and blue lights. They got the badge. They clearly have the gun and the taser and the pepper spray and friends and sticks. Right. And, and the, the law and the court system and the jails are really, oh, you know, they, they can put you in the jail. Right. And yet there are these guys who will stand there and mouth off to them and disagree with them and challenge. Oh, are you going to shoot me? And yet it's like some dude who works at Best Buy thinks carrying a gun on his hip when he goes to Walmart's going to keep the bad well, guys. It's not annoying. for everyone,
0: Rob. I'm not saying for everyone. I just, but, but, you know, okay.
2: So now, but this is what I'm saying. So now when, when you, when you put all this together and then you throw all the potential negative aspects of it, uh, it's just, to me, it, it seems like an obvious no brainer. Um, and I, I just, i don't know it's it's i get the idea that it might dissuade some people from bad but it's not the really bad people it's dissuading so now it's almost like yeah look with my gun on my hip none of the low low level criminals will mess with me but but who's going to come up to you and say oh what are you going to shoot me because now how do you deal with that conversation we've seen too many of those on youtube rob i just
1: actually getting i just want to thank
0: you for declaring me the winner This i I, I was going to (laughs) say I don't know if I'm gonna give up on defeat yet. I, I, I something you said made me I'm gonna go look do a little research, Rob. Right, you right. keep listening. This cop time conversation will come up again. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, I, I just actually I, I wanna get on to 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 a to a game here. I wanna have some fun. Yeah, let's, but before let, we do that, Rob, uh why don't you do me a favor? Just plug all your stuff, man. You have a ton of stuff out there. Let everyone know where they can find you. I have a few links on man. the show notes, but give us something.
2: There's a lot of stuff. So personal <laughs> Pick your first favorite,
1: you Pick your that. favorite five. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, let's go. With, we're going to go with the uh, the free training, right? Because hundreds of free articles and videos, not just for me, some of the best instructors in their niches in the world. Um, 15 plus years of content being amassed at, at personaldefensenetwork.com. Yes, there are paywalls. Yes, you can sign up for the newsletter, which is free. You can, do, you can take distance education courses like the counter ambush course I was talking about earlier. Um, but there's a there are literally, I think there's I don't know, there were 900 and something uh, free pieces of content last time I looked um, at personaldefensenetwork.com. For advocacy, for the, the talking points of grassroots advocacy and how to be a better gun rights advocate and be a responsible gun owner, that's 2AO.org, 2AO.org. And uh, I'll plug Walk the Talk America. I'm, I'm on the board of Walk the Talk America. It's WTTA.org. It's WTTA.org. And it was founded by a friend of mine named Mike Sadini about three years ago.
1: I saw this and very cool.
2: The Talk of America is all about mental health advocacy inside of the gun community, and it is, uh, you know, we say we operate at the intersection of guns and mental health, and at that intersection, there's a lot of negative outcomes, and we want gun owners to to not fear uh, looking into their mental health and being proactive um, about their mental health. And that means taking, taking care of yourself and talking about it.
1: Yeah. I saw that. And that's really cool. And I actually want to get those pamphlets are really cool. Like that's, it's a really cool thing. So I, I want to thank you for all, you know, all the stuff you're doing, um, in the second amendment community. I mean, you know, the, 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 the little guys like us, you know, we're really grateful because it's great to have, to see the leadership that, that guys like you are providing and and it's inspirational and definitely, uh, you know, keeps, keeps us, grinding out here and, and it's cool. But, um, I, I want, I want to get to, uh, something we call running gun, Rob. It's a, it's a game we play with every guest. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you 10 questions. Please do not be like some of our other guests who will remain nameless. The, the, the first thing that comes to your mind, we're gonna see how fast you can do this. All right. I think, I think you could be a top contender, but we'll see. Are you ready?
2: I, I, I think I'm ready. You're, you're, I mean, ready. I'm ready, <laughs> you're I'm ready. You're
1: going you're gonna to crush this. I got I got a good feeling about this. All right, ready? First thing that comes to your mind. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection?
2: Well, it's got to be a Performance Center Smith & Wesson 945.
1: What gun would you buy if money was no object?
2: I would find a way to buy an MP7.
1: If you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Plato. Favorite caliber? 9 millimeter. Favorite hobby, not gun related? Cooking. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Boy,
2: oh, mind me.
1: All hell breaks loose. Is it better to be armed or trained?
2: Trained. Trick question because you're not really armed unless you're trained. <laughs> Is it better to <laughs> be
1: loved or feared? Loved. Rifle, pistol, or shotgun? Pistol. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse?
2: Iron Man.
1: (laughs) That's the fastest time ever.
0: I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to go back to I got to go to the stopwatch. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure. He hesitated on two of the questions. Yeah, I did. But... There
2: were two there were two confusing ones. Yeah. Sure. Well what... And I lied to you about one. I, I did lie <laughs> to be fair.
0: Now it's I definitely not myself... a win, Rob.
2: Yeah, I gotta admit I caught myself in a lie, because 308 is my favorite caliber, right? But nine millimeter is my like the most practical, Does, most valuable. D- doesn't
0: caliber. matter, you can't get either one of them now. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So All there's right. that?
1: All right, let's get on to something new here.
0: Let's mix it up.
1: Alright, so on this episode of Let's Mix It Up, I want to talk about, quote-unquote, ghost guns. And what I yeah. mean by that is obviously 3D-printed guns. Rob, I've been following you on uh, on Instagram. I knew we were going to have you on the show, and you seem to be all about... 3d printed guns lately so i want to talk about this a little bit i want to pick your brain a little bit
0: and three just to clarify 3d guns are could be maybe considered a form of a ghost gun but they're not all ghost guns am i correct in that
1: i said ghost guns but that was a little bit of like i i, I don't know if is that really like a term we should be using rob i don't even know the the protocols here uh
2: so so here's why i think it's it's not only okay but right now we we should be you know using that the term we should be using the hashtag we should be putting it in the titles of our articles because what we can't allow is for those who would try to demonize all individually made guns as something you know evil and nefarious that's exactly the point that i was
0: trying to get to rob that's exactly the point yeah okay
1: so, he's well, o- so it's got, a good term because I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe it's a negative thing that the media. It's like it's like saying assault rifle. You don't want to use that because it's not proper. But if you think go, if you think it's kind of like a good term, I, I like that. I like the way you're thinking.
2: Well, you know, if if I'd have been, you know, if I'd have been more like leadery guy, I guess in the '90s, I would have told people not to let go of assault weapon, right? Yeah. Like I under- yeah. that we because we got so we get so mired down in the technical semantics, like the clip versus magazine aspect yeah. of it. And the problem is, we yielded that term, right? And, and, uh, yeah, you get
0: buried in these buzz terms. You get buried in, in these terms that that are made up that don't even mean real things.
1: The question I have, though, is like, so ghost guns, if the the media loves to yell, they're building Uh, ghost guns. Well,
0: and, and, and there was recently, uh, somebody, a ghost gun was used in a, in a murder or something recently. So, like, when
1: we say it, like, now, now are we contributing to the, you know, instead of correcting people be like they're not ghost guns, they're they're 3D printed guns that, you know, that you, <laughs> you can, can see make- them. They're not yeah. visible. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't know. And anyway. I think
2: I think that's the way we do it. Right. So it's it's the the article, um, if, if you write an article today and put it on like Ammo Land, right, Ammo Land, I think it's more traffic than any other, you know, firearms related blog. Uh, news site, right? So if, if, let's say that they made, they they said, well, we have an editorial policy that we don't use the term ghost gun. Okay, great, except then when somebody watches, you know, a a left-leaning news website with an anti-gun person talking about ghost guns, they're like, well, gee, what's that? That sounds a little bit hyperbolic. And they go Google ghost guns none of our articles are to yeah, show up. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Hashtagging it, yeah. Yeah. You, gotta, you, know. you better put ghost guns in the tag for the, the uh, podcast here.
1: Yeah, straight up. So, Rob, how does one get started making 3D guns? So I, first off, I don't, I'm going to ask you a question about legalities in a minute, but like, um, and I'm not going to, you know, obviously I'm not asking you to be a lawyer here, but we're in New York and pretty much they've made it so that nothing's legal here. It's like, I can't even, well, I literally can't actually use plastic bags. That's actually, illegal. <laughs> that
0: is true. We can't so, use So, I mean, bags. like nothing. Well, you can here. use them. You just have to bring them yourself. Yeah.
1: So how does one get started? Because I have no idea because we're not allowed to do it.
2: Yeah. So um, first of all, I am teaching in New York uh, on April 5th. Uh, so maybe we can get you guys come down there and, and this and that. I, and I probably won't have any ghost guns with me, but because of the weird laws in New York, but I I, I do try to spend time like in New Jersey, in New York, in California, the last class I did. In uh, 2020 was actually right the week before Christmas uh, in California, too. Um, I came I opened a range in May against the governor's orders because the range was willing and we had willing students um, to prove that there were good ways to do indoor range training in New York. Um, With masks and with medical supervision and with all the stuff. Thank you. And, uh,
1: I read about that. Yeah, it's cool of you.
2: Yeah, so so I get it, right? Like, I, I understand what you guys are dealing with. And, and for the rest of, you know, the listening audience, it's not in, you know, California, New York. I think there might be one other state that right now you can't do the 3D printed gun thing. Um, just be aware that I started the 3D gun printing thing in December, right? It's now March 3rd or whatever. So, so you're I'm like new to two it. And a half
1: in it. You're new to it.
2: But... Yeah, and, I, and I'm hold, the gun that I'm holding in my hand right now is a design of my own uh, that is set up to take the, the proprietary unique frame that has been modified in CAD with my rudimentary CAD skills, which I also started developing two and a half months ago, to use Glock internals. So it has a Glock 48 top end and Glock internals instead of the proprietary internals um, for the Avidity Arms production gun. And my idea with this project is that I am... Going to give this file to the 3D printing community and and let them print it, you know, and then put Glock parts in it. And you can do this with a printer that costs 250 bucks. So yeah, that's my question. Yeah, you can you can you can get the printer and and get the knowledge online. There's a ton so of information. So let me slow let me slow you,
0: let me slow you down. You. Let me slow you down just a little bit. So obviously, 3D printer, like you said, but also you know a very stable surface, right? Like there can't be any, any movement in, in, in production.
2: Yeah. So that there is, there, there are, there are environmental issues. You, you want to have a stable environment, not just like, like the table with the printers on, yep. but it, even like, like if you have any kind temperature, of printer, like, you're like topic, temperature, you're talking temperature, humidity too, temperature, also you know, wind, whatever. But if you, any kind of printer, you know, it, not so much the, the modern printers or laser printers, but in the olden days, when, the printer actually had like a lot of mass going back and forth and you would actually see the table shake. Mm-hmm. And you could, in the eighties, you could have like a dot matrix printer that wouldn't print clearly if the table was moving. Yeah. So just think, it really is very much that simple. Okay. If, if the, the platform is moving, you can affect the, and the then, sure. and
0: then I want to, can you talk a little bit more about, I'm fascinated with the community. Like it's just, it's just out there on the web. You can just go and share files. And, yeah. How does that you work?
2: You can just go. You can this this the same way. Yeah, it's 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 basically like like imagine a a photo of so you want to make a meme of you know like like Rob Pincus shooting, uh, a cowboy action gun, which no one can really picture, but I said, I, I said it was fun. So I guess that happens. So you're going to go find a picture of Rob or you're going to like Google Rob and then boom, you're going to find me. You're going to take that picture and you're going to Google cowboy hat and, and lever action. You're going to find those two and you're going to go into Photoshop and you're smashing them together. And then you're going to post that image. Well, with 3d printing, you can download the file of the Glock frame and just print it. Right. Or you can also start to customize it. Right. So if, if you look at the people, look at my pictures, like on uh, my Instagram is Pinkus, P-I-N-C-U-S, Rob. So at Pinkus, Rob, go look. You'll see like almost every gun that I print has a triquetra on it somewhere, you know, a little like three interlocked. Uh, Wedges with a circle going around them because that's my integrity, consistency, efficiency, ICE training company logo. And it's kind of on everything. So I go into CAD and I modify it. I might change the magazine well. I might change the the grip dimension. So that's the beauty of 3D printed. So they'll always
0: be able to tell it was yours.
2: Yeah. And that's the other (laughs) thing is like, people are like, well, it's all about this, you know, people trying to get away with owning guns that the government doesn't know about. Like, look, I, I have an FFL. I have uh, a manufacturer's license. Right. I have an SOT. Like the government's pretty sure I have guns. You know, like so <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to hide my gunniness from the world, right? And I understand some people don't want to wear it on their sleeve, but again, rewind. The best way to be an advocate is to be a proud gun owner that's responsible. Yeah. So I want everybody making their own guns and talking so, about it and sh- putting their logos
1: on it. So let me. I have so much here I want to talk. To you yeah, about. yeah. So let me start with this. Let me go back to the initial question. I let's say that I I could and I want to three D print. Give me the bare bones. What do I need to buy? What is my cost? Because I want to know that part um, first.
2: You you could I would say you go to the Creality. Um, so so like create and then reality put together C R E A L I T Y. Creality is the the company to go with. It's the most supported, most user entry level friendly. The Ender. Like Ender's Game, right? Ender three is kind of the the less than two hundred dollars get the thing and make it work, but it does have more. It has it's more finicky. Let's put it that way. I went with the Ender five. It cost me two hundred and fifty something dollars on Black Friday. So I think like regular, they're they're between two hundred fifty and three hundred bucks. It comes with some some of the filament, but you want to buy more for twenty bucks. So you're going to be like 250 to $350 in on an Ender 5. And wow. when you open that box, within two hours, you should be printing a gun frame wow. uh, if you now what you want to do.
0: If rob or mike i don't know if either one of you know is is it it's illegal to possess one of these in new york like if i go so if i go to I, pennsylvania I have a and make about, one,
1: yeah that's good so i looked this up before the show and what i looked at you know the governor signs bill banning you know homemade 3d printed go yeah through, whatever it said um undetectable guns but the part I don't understand about that is what's undetectable. You have, barrel- a bunch of, you have a bunch of metal and springs and a metal barrel. Like wh- what's undetectable well, when about the,
0: it? And the barrel has to. When you buy a barrel, don't you have to go through an FFL to get a barrel? Like- not
1: a barrel, but no, not a, you wouldn't. For, none of the parts would be FFL, and you're printing the frame. So typically, the frame is the
0: is the part that is the
1: part that you would do the FFL. Okay. But Rob, am I wrong about this? Like when they say like undetectable, what's undetectable about it? It doesn't make sense. I, to I'm me.
2: gonna. I'm gonna say i first let me just say I do not know I figured the you, exact I figured you state of the law in yeah, New York. Yeah. Now I do know what the undetectable firearms act is. So it is entirely possible that what they've done in New York is they've um, you know, sort of been redundant on the undetectable firearm act. The problem with the undetectable firearm rules as they were written in the eighties when that act was passed is that it was basically like there was a misunderstanding in a large part of the population, including our lawmakers, about the Glocks being plastic guns yes. back in the day. I remember right? that. So it was like, oh, there's gonna be guns that can get through metal detectors. <laughs> so the undetectable firearms act says you can't have guns that can't get through fire uh you know, metal detectors. Now and, and it's specific um to magnetometers, unless it's been updated and I don't know about it. It's still specific to magnetometers. So the here's the the issue, and it gets a little complicated as all these laws do. No. As a as a manufacturer. So based on my FFL 07 FFL that says I can manufacture and sell guns, I have to put serial numbers and certain specific markings on those guns. Right. And I know exactly when it has to happen. So, like, let's imagine a manufacturing process you know like seven steps yeah i know that that for me between steps four and five i have to have a serial number if it gets to step five and i didn't put a serial number on it you're in trouble The atf tells me i'm in trouble as an individual i and i think on purpose sometimes as an individual it's much grayer right the the atf doesn't have a as much of a, a rule around this of when it actually becomes a firearm because you don't have to put a serial number on it so by default, you're sort of left to guess as you're doing like a polymer 80 kit build, right? At what point does it become a firearm as opposed to a non-gun object kit that I bought, right? And when you don't know, that makes it kind of hard. And, and when you – so now let's go back to the Undetectable Firearms Act. If the gun that I'm making, if I don't consider it a gun – until I put the metal slide and the metal springs and the metal barrel on the frame, well, then it's not an undetectable gun until I've made it operational. And that may be fine this is because this has never been tested. We really don't know what the what the legal rule is because we we know for manufacturers that the frame has to have the serial number, the slide and barrel don't. So so to me, the, the safe route would be to assume that your 3D pr- printed plastic frame that can accept all those metal parts, if the frame itself is undetectable, You may very well be in violation of the Undetectable Firearms Act because the ATF considers the frame the firearm. But none of this is Can I just put a
0: serial number on it and say it's, you know, and and register it at my house as well we have in in (laughs) New York. So
1: in New York, every pistol I own, I just bought a new pistol. Every pistol I own has to go on my permit. Right. The judge has to approve it before I can go and take it from my FFL. So now if I'm you just put the caliber and if I'm making this frame. How do you get that on your permit? Because A, there's no serial number. Yes, you could put one on it, but we have to ha- the FFL has to hold it until you get it well, could, put on your permit. Is that
0: and Rob as an FFL? Is that the route? Could I could I sell my 3D printed gun to an FFL and then give me the, the paperwork that I need to put it on my permit?
2: Well, no, you can't say so that's the thing. You can't sell a gun that you make individually. And Uh, you can't you can't manufacture a gun to sell to the FFL because you don't have a manufacturer. So I I am familiar with California. California, you have to go to the state of California and apply for a serial number as an individual, even though you're not a licensed manufacturer, you get the serial number. Then you make the gun and put it on your gun, and then California doesn't have the uh, the owner's card, no, right? so you don't need you don't need to do anything else with an FFL. But you actually get the serial number assigned to you before you make it. I don't know what the rules are in New York, but well that I that, that sounds imagine that sounds convoluted. logical
0: for a pistol in New York, you know, and I'm familiar with things like that with. Uh, manufacturing vehicles. Like you have to get a, a, a VIN number yeah. from the state. But what about a rifle? Like that's not one that I have to register. I don't have to have that on my permit. Right, Mike? Nope. So why would I have to do it? But yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I
1: mean, we something we definitely have to look into. It. Yeah, so, you know, I, I want to bring this up since we're talking kind of about legalities and things like that, but I'm, and I'm definitely playing devil's advocate. I'm probably going to like lose some listeners over this comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm playing Devil's Advocate. I believe, like, listen, you're a free man. You should be able to make things. Making stuff is cool. Like, I want to be able to make yeah. stuff. You know, I'm not. I'm not a criminal. I'm not going to go commit a crime with this gun. But I do sort of. I do sort of understand the the non gun owner. The you know my my friend Joe out there in the community who he just doesn't like guns. He's scared of them. He thinks bad guys are going to go get them and they're going to use them for nefarious things he's that guy is afraid like oh my god this guy could just go buy a printer print a gun make a gun and now he's gonna go and do all kinds of terrible things and i do get that i i don't agree with it because listen it's illegal to do that it's illegal to go commit crimes you just yeah you found a way to get the gun but that guy was going to be a criminal no matter what so what do we say to those people because the that is going to come up yeah that debate don't tell him it's a ghost gun No, I mean seriously, like Robin You want to shoot this? How do you like how do you de- how do you debate that and win that debate? Because it's true. Someone could just a bad guy could go make a gun and go on a shooting spree. So how do we debate that logically? They could, they could buy a uh, well, gun and okay. do that.
2: Yeah, I mean the first thing is it's way easier to go buy a gun. Yeah, off right.
1: The book than it is to make a gun. Well, not if, but <laughs> like, not not if you have a record though. That's right? if true. You, if you're a criminal. No, no, I'm not
2: off the. But it's, it's easier to buy a gun illegally oh, than it is to make a that's gun.
0: That's probably yeah, true. Maybe you might be right. <laughs> I've huh? not tried to do that, but I guess it probably Particu- is.
2: Particularly a a reliable gun right like so that's the other side of the question so first of all
0: <laughs> yeah, most of, of
2: the g- guns that are being made like most of the printed guns like they're they're i had one gun make it like 600 rounds before broke. now i i get it like joe down the street that doesn't like guns he's gonna be like 600 rounds <laughs> you could have killed 704 people that's a good that, you know? that's a that's a good Over weekend <laughs> Yeah, but but it's like at the same time, we know that a gun like, you know, you buy a Glock and you're gonna run out of bullets before the gun stops working yeah, with the bullets, yeah. right? So it is there and so I get it. The like reliability. I, I do understand the the argument. I, I think that, you know, one of the one of the best ways to to deal with those arguments sometimes is to say, yeah, that could happen right kind of like like the the argument well if i open carry the guy might not want to rob the waffle house (laughs) yeah bring it back to that rob thanks a lot you're welcome that might happen but also here's all these other things to consider right so yeah there the the guy there might be a guy who's all who's like the unabomber right i mean that guy he he was pretty smart right and he blew things up and blew people up mike right so there might be a smart guy who's really determined who could buy a printer and make a gun and commit a crime but that smart guy who's really determined has like 700 options for how he's going to commit his crime right, right? that's and, very fair and yeah that's an important thing for them to admit so i'll admit it could happen but you got to admit that there's way easier ways to kill people than 3d well the guy.
0: i mike you had this as one of your questions but the reliability factor that's a, a good argument i mean you wanted to know how reliable these things have been right
1: yeah yeah how yeah what's your experience been with it is it has it been like has it been hard? Has what's the learning curve? You know, what's, what's your experience?
2: It's I, I find the process rewarding and that may sound, you know, we're like, when you asked what my favorite hobby was, I almost said like making guns, right. (laughs) But I was going fast and, and cooking probably is it because really it might be dating and, and cooking for dates is fun, but the making guns is, is also fun even if it isn't going to, like be super awesome out at the range. And part of it for me is the tweaking and the reliability uh increasing it and improving it as I go. Right. So I, I have not had a gun uh, that was, uh, that I would say just like fell together, right? Like, like, like a, a polymer 80 kits pretty darn easy. You can buy a polymer 80 kit, put that together and, maybe a little tweaking here, a little tweaking there, that's going to work pretty well. The the 3D printing, you got to put a little more effort. You got to file it. You got to clean it up. You got to sand it. Um, I'm sure there are people out there who are better at printing than I am, uh, who can print, you know, guns that instantly will work. But the other problem is then as you get into more durable materials, those, those atmospheric conditions, if you want to print with nylon, you need higher temperatures and more consistent environmental temperatures. If you want to print with ABS plastic, which is uh, going to be the like probably the strongest that the average hobbyist can do again, you need um, to upgrade your printer. It's a more expensive printer. It's a, it's a more finely tuned printer and you need a very controlled atmospheric environment an enclosure around the printer or something like that to make that work well. Um, So it is more, but again, you you know, Timothy McVeigh built a pretty good bomb out of a rental truck, you know, Unabomber. So I go back to this idea that if you're determined enough, I don't want to pretend you couldn't, You know, go on a a a murder spree with three D printed guns, but it just doesn't seem the path of least resistance for the person that wants to kill people. So
1: I just want to go. I want to circle back to something really quick because. You just kind of dropped a couple of things. You said that one of your favorite things is dating and cooking for dates. So when I asked you, who would you want to have your back other than your spouse? You're like, easy. I don't have a spouse. <laughs> and Iron Man's a bachelor. We could hang out and we could just like blow <laughs> shit up. Like you would
0: yeah. have been a better answer. I yeah. mean, it would, it would have still had Iron Man, but it would have been funnier. Yeah. No, no see,
2: that's where I, that wasn't even on my mind <laughs> because I would have gone, I don't know what is, what is, uh the cute chick that he that
0: pepper he, he oh, pepper, pepper. pepper, pepper pots yeah she Potts. has
2: she has her own little iron girl suit like i had a picture like like my zombie apocalypse team is all women I don't know what, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, smart man good
0: chances good yeah, chances like i don't
2: even think this is even a question
0: any one about, of them but, survive you're in you're in luck
1: so, yeah. so Rob, we're uh, we're we're gonna go into a new segment. We're gonna do some gear review, but I know you have your uh, your little girl with you. Um, if you want to stick around and do a review, uh, a piece of kit that you like, that's great. Or, but if you want to want to jet and spend some time with your daughter, I, I get it. It's up to you. you know,
2: no, she she gave up. She's already she's she like fell asleep. Okay. she was watching a movie. She's she's she taking a nap. We're good. We're in the home nice. stretch.
1: All right, so let's 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 get to this next piece.
0: It's time for top gear. Let us test it before you invest it.
1: All right. So I uh, I actually want to uh, say I have another piece of uh, exciting news for you, Keith. And I'm going to kind of kind of like ruin your little thing here. All right. Um, I got a call from uh, Chad from Flatline Fiber Co. Today. You are going to ruin my
0: thing. All right. Yeah, that's yeah, all, yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah. I'll pick it up. And guess
1: worry. what? He wants to sponsor this segment today.
0: All right, Chad. I had
1: a really good day today. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, so we had Chad on the show. He was great. Um, he he hooked us up with a couple of slings. We got the ear pro uh, wraps. Loved all of that stuff. Um, anybody listening, go back to that episode. You can hear the full review on that. But um, he also gave us a discount code TGE ten. 10% off anything in flatline fiber codes. We
0: got to try sure. to stick to that kind of that discount code, the TGE thing. I I, I think it's easy to remember.
1: Anyway, I don't want to go to, I, normally I would talk about his product, but I know you want to talk about some stuff. So I'm going to let you just kind of handle this. So all, I, all everyone
0: needs to know is Chad sponsoring top gear today. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, and coincidentally, and, yeah. I want to talk about one of Chad's products, but the, the actual product that I want to talk about is, um, uh, I bought a new set of ear protection. I wanted to upgrade. We, we had talked to someone uh, pretty extensively about ear protection and I had settled on, uh, Walker's, uh, razor, um, Bluetooth, um oh, I think it's the Com Muff, Com muff. I think they're called or something like that. Uh, $120 link is in the description here. It's definitely the razor razor platform. Uh, they did have, um, a a Bluetooth uh, function, which I thought was really cool. Retail on them was 129 bucks. I found them for under 70 bucks at Amazon, Walmart, tactical warehouse. They're, they're still on sale today. I checked before I came on. Um, and I paired, uh, Chad, um, Uh, ear protection from flatline fiber co the wraps the The wraps wraps that go around it on top of it and it's been great and uh chad thank you very much for sponsoring you know he's been an awesome supporter of the show since the moment we met him so uh that is really exciting and that is the second surprise that you uh got me with tonight so thank you um i've been wearing this ear protection extensively for the last i don't know maybe month and a half um they're they're very comfortable to wear um, the ear, uh, pro wrap has been really clutch as we talked about with Chad, like being able to just clip that to my belt loop. Um, I've even clipped it to my, uh, um, my ammo, uh, uh, belt for, um, uh, when I shoot trap and, uh, after I'm done with that, I'll, I may clip them to my book bag. It's, it's just been great. They have kind of found a couple different homes, depending on whether I'm storing them or wearing them, but that has been a great. Addition. And they are
1: really comfortable, right? You would have been yeah. like, mine are so comfortable. Yeah, I,
0: think- I, I don't even know that I have anything else on. And, and then these this particular ear protection, the earmuffs are super, super soft and comfortable as well. So all in all, for 70 bucks and uh, $40 ear wrap, you got a really great, really great setup. Um, the Bluetooth is adequate. Um, there's been a little bit of feedback in, in the microphone, but not bad. And I think that might be a battery issue because I just replaced the batteries and there's no feedback at all. So if you put good batteries in, I, I, I think you'll be okay. I had, the, I had the cheap ones. you know. I've ones. got to ask,
1: what did you use the Bluetooth for? Were you listening <laughs> to music while you were like plinking with a 22 or something? No,
0: the- no. I So I, I first tried it when I was, you know, we live in New York. So w- there was a snowstorm and I was like, I got to go snow blow. I'm going to put on this ear protection. <laughs> try the bluetooth with it and it actually brings me to one of the points I I actually think I could see myself using these like mowing the lawn or something like that they're, they, yeah, yeah. yeah they're not they're not just going to be for shooting I think the only downside that I I have is that you know you know I, everybody knows on the show I shoot a lot of shotgun yeah. they do get in the way of my comb, you know, when I, yeah, when I mount, when I mount the, the the shotgun, I just wanted to say mount twice. Um, (laughs) when I, when I mount the shotgun and am now three times and put my cheek on, it does raise, you know, does get interference with that. So obviously I'm just going to have to buy a, a set of in ear protection to, to shoot when I shoot shotgun. But, um, the, they pick up great noise around it. I actually was wearing them when we last shot at the range a couple of weeks ago. And, um, th- it's, you can adjust the am the ambient noise independent of the Bluetooth, Okay, which is kind of cool. That so, you, cool. so you can, I can turn you off and still listen to my music while I don't want to listen to you anymore. It's perfect. Um, and uh, it does, it, it reduces the decimals enough. I, I haven't had any issues with any of that. I haven't had any issues with hearing anybody around me. Um, I just want to
1: tell you that the headset I have on right now has the ability to turn you down. I haven't listened to a word you've said for the past hour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Rob, I'm hoping you're listening. Uh, <laughs> uh i i overall they've they've been a great addition so i definitely think i found something for you know the range and working with pistols and rifles you know like i said obviously i I need to find a better solution for when i'm shooting yeah so we Um,
1: actually had this conversation i think it was actually chad was on the show that's how it came up we were talking about your pro and his recommendations because he deals with a lot yeah, of companies. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, and we had talked about these. I have the Howard lights. We talked about so I actually, I actually want to borrow these. I want to see how they compare to. Maybe okay. we can
0: swap. Well, COVID, I'll, I'll just give him a little Rona wipe. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you can, you yeah, can use them. Catch, can you
1: catch Corona from the ear? Well, I mean, we drink vodka all the time. Just <laughs> rub them with vodka. Okay, that'll be fine. Yeah, so. <laughs> Um, So I'm actually, I'm going to forego my, any review today and uh, Rob, I'm going to give you a chance. Is there a a particular product that you would like to talk about?
2: So yeah, I'm going to be doing a product showcase on March 11th with a bunch of other instructors around the country coming in and I've been checking out some things leading up to this event on March 11th. And I got to say like one of the coolest things I don't normally, I'm a little jaded, right? I've been doing this for a while. One of the coolest pieces of gear I've seen in a while is the new CQT heads-up thermal imaging red dot from Steiner USA. I
0: actually heard about this Uh, recently.
2: Yeah. When people like me and red dots and optics and stuff, like I'm a hollow sun guy, right? Like it's an incredible company with great optics for super value pricing. Like, you know, you can get some great stuff. And I actually bought my first one of those for like under $200 a few years ago off Amazon. And I loved it. And, and students loved it. And they're, they're big with us at personal defense network and good buddies of mine at the other end of the spectrum, we have the $9,999 MSRP, (laughs) steiner cqt and this is like how much is that nine thousand nine hundred ninety
0: nine (laughs) dollars yeah it's ten grand oh my goodness gracious
2: but for ten (laughs) grand you get this thing that sits on top of your rifle and when you look through it you get a normal red dot which is fine and a little bit you know it's a little pricey for a normal red dot but what's cool about this is it gives you a thermal image overlay inside of that window so if you picture like an eotech kind of window it's that kind of a a look um but more space agey and when you look through that window you have like like call of duty Thermal imaging of, you know, people or whatever it is you're looking at. And it is, it, when I say it's, it's high tech science. Fiction, Can you see through walls? Video games, Can you
0: see thermal images you, through walls?
2: I mean, if, if it's a, if you're in Japan and there's like a real <laughs>
1: female ninja on the other side, Pape, rice, paper well, I'm, rice paper, rice paper walls. I'm wondering yeah. if this is
0: my way to my superpower.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keith's superpower on Running Gun was uh, X-ray vision, so you could be close.
2: Uh, but it's pretty trick, man. So I've spent the last few days like I, out on the range with a little bit. But also, it's the other, the other thing you find with it is when you get it because it's so cool. Like the the you don't want to put it on a gun because you will obviously want to point it at Everything. people and see people, right? <laughs> so so I've just been like walking around like the range in the office with it in my hand, just like like a
0: range
1: finder yeah <laughs> like it's
2: just like it's just like cool binoculars
1: you got to put it on like a, on like a uh, what do you call those a uh like a cert pistol or something. like it's just something so you can
2: the search. well i thought so that was actually so my partner's he's in the house and he's like uh one of my my partners at Divinity arms and he's the owner of the range he's like you should put it on the search stick right the ar yeah, yeah. Yeah. version of it put it on that and i'm like that doesn't really help i'm still walking out of the office pointing a that's gun yeah, yeah, that's true. at that's people true. at a gun range like this is how you get shot. Yeah. Man. Yeah. like no. I'm just going to walk out with this thing and just keep pointing it at people and trying to t- and I'm like and I've got my iPhone in my hands so I'm trying to take pictures of this and video for Instagram <laughs> but it's it's really it's trick and and what I see is again $10,000 is not super practical like if you're a doctor that hunts hogs from helicopters like you, <laughs> you
0: <laughs> no big deal
2: and, and or if you're socom or swat you know a high-end swat team might might get a few of these because it really is some interesting applications for finding people and being ready to shoot them in bad environments but that's not this isn't a home defense tool yeah. it's not yeah, that yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's really neat it's more um, cool than practical like my, for my most people. My favorite piece of gear is the uh, the Ender Five. Like that's my favorite piece of gun gear right now because it lets me rapid prototype uh, g- gun grips and frames, and yeah. and I'm I'm having a lot of fun with that. But yeah, it's the CQT is is no joke. Um, I will say that my favorite hearing protection, just since you guys are talking about it so much, is uh, the the foamies with the multiple color stripes through them, mm. not the orange foam. Really, I like the color. You I like the color. color. So
1: you're you're yeah. you're just a cheap throwaway guy, huh?
2: Because you finally got to it, right? Like the you can't properly mount yeah. a shotgun yeah. or an yeah. AR um, with muffs. That's fair. So training with them on, you actually mount it improperly, and people are like, "Well, Rob, I think pretty much every military and SWAT guy wearing the other muffs would disagree with you." Well, they're also usually wearing helmets, and it already affects the way they mount the rifle. So um, it's they're it's already making different. adjustments so, for that yeah right right yeah so so i would say and the plate carriers stuff like that so yeah it, it is different and so yeah i'm a i'm a foamies kind of guy so yeah so i like foamies and hollow sun's, but i also like ten <laughs> like, thousand
1: dollars. i, I just want to say 10 that to ten thousand dollars I, I feel like i need to get them to sponsor the show and we need like a one percent discount or something yeah you know, right like, that'd be fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean
2: <laughs> it's like an affiliate code. right? I just want one like if one get one doctor on that with a helicopter There you go. one. I'm I'm gold. You yeah. could
1: probably sell that to someone too. Somebody with a lot of loot would probably be like, Yeah, I'll buy one, I'll buy two oh, yeah. of those.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I mean, it's all relative, right? I mean, I, I we talk about it all the time. I spent more money on in the firearm industry this year than I've ever spent in my life be, partially because of this podcast. But Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say, man. I'm like blown away because I uh like I said, I bought a couple of your products. This is going back quite quite a while ago and um you know, this is way before I even thought about doing a podcast. And now I'm here talking to you and you're dropping these knowledge bombs on us and it's it's super cool. And um you know, I, I just really want to thank you, man. I mean, um it's it's an honor to have you on the show. It really is. It's uh it's cool to have you on here and it's cool to talk to you and hear your perspective on things and um I, you know, anybody out there listening Rob's the real deal. I mean, just go look him up, Google him. It's like Google Google me, bitch. You know, it's like just Google Rob and and you'll (laughs) find out he's for real, real quick. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of, I have, uh, you know, your ICE training and Personal defense Network and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. It's all in the show notes. So if you want to find him, you can do that or just Google me, bitch, because he'll pop up.
0: Like and comment. Yeah, exactly. See you soon. Yeah.
1: To everyone listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media, so be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Guys, thank you so much, and have a good night.